Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures. And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada Land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com join. And thank you. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. It's never an easy call with so many problems in the world to know where to direct the money that you donate when you want to help out in this world. But what I can tell you is that when you donate to CAMH, you're saving lives. We know about the opioid crisis. We know about the mental health crisis. They are doing the work. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where no one is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help us treat addiction and build hope. How fucking depressing was it this past summer to watch the three big wireless companies win? You remember what I'm talking about, that ad campaign, relentless, day after day, full page ads, radio, everything. The message of which was, A, we're a bunch of whiners. We don't know how good we have it. Our wireless prices are actually not so bad. They're pretty good, in fact. And secondly, that the entrance of Verizon into the Canadian cell phone market would be somehow a threat to our national sovereignty, that it was unpatriotic to support Verizon coming into Canada. I mean, they really showed us exactly what they think of us with that ad campaign. And then they won. I don't know if it's because of the ad campaign. I kind of doubt it. But Verizon cooled on their interest in coming into Canada. And then we found out who was going to be bidding in the new wireless spectrum. And there's nobody new. No foreign capital. No new companies want to do business here. Mobilicity wind. They're going to die. They're going to get gobbled up. It's going to be back to business as usual. Maybe. couple developments last week. The first is that either we're really a bunch of whiners or wireless really does suck here because the number of complaints about wireless in Canada doubled last year. Second bit of news last week is that Verizon has registered a lobbyist in Canada. 
They got a guy in Ottawa. He's going to be meeting with this government, a government that seems to genuinely want to get some new competition into the mobile sector. So you never know. Something might give. Today, I'm going to be talking to Elliot Noss about these issues. His company, Two Cows, has looked at this problem, looked at how much people hate their cell phone companies and tried to offer something different, tried to sort of build a new kind of cell phone service. It's a Toronto-based company. But you can't subscribe to it in Toronto. Their product is available in different parts of the world. It's available in America. People seem to like it. You can't get it here. So yeah, you can be innovative in Canada. You can be an innovative Canadian. But it's a lot harder to innovate Canada. Now, Elliot has been working in the internet from the start. He used to be in the ISP business back when there was an indie ISP business in Canada. He's got a lot of war stories to tell, a lot of opinions about this stuff. And I think you're going to enjoy my conversation with him. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool, doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer. And it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. We hear a lot about the opioid crisis. We talk a lot about the mental health crisis. These are serious problems. These problems affect us all. They've affected my life and my community. They're not intractable problems. I don't know what's going to solve them on a policy level, but day-to-day helping people, that's what CAMH does. They do it on the ground when people need help, and they do it through research. The team at CAMH gave our team a tour of their facilities, and we were really just blown away by the incredible, heroic work that they're doing every day. They treat everyone with dignity, and their research is seeking and finding real solutions for everyone around the world. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where no one is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. Speaking of innovative Canadian companies, my sponsor is FreshBooks.com. Perhaps you've been hearing me speaking about FreshBooks.com and you haven't checked them out because you find accounting boring. I find accounting boring too. Invoicing and billing is not my favorite part of my job as a freelancer. That's why I like FreshBooks. They make it so I don't have to worry about that stuff as much as I used to. It's painless. Check it out. FreshBooks.com. It is it is really bad and, and awful and shitty here, right? We're not like just whining about this. It's it, it's wireless is bad in Canada. Price is terrible in Canada. Probably the worst in the world. I would put out it is the worst in the world. I feel like that's an educated view, you know, on top of the OECD data we've seen recently, but you know that that it really is worst wireless pricing in the world. The network's pretty good though. Yeah. Is there a path? to something better that you can foresee as somebody who's, whose business like depends on that happening. In Canada, it's very, very hard 
for a new entrant to get funded. And I would say in this particular auction, it would have bordered on impossible because of the failures of the the last attempt at competition. So Canadian capital is decidedly conservative, mm-hmm. very conservative. You know, uh, Canadian banks are incredibly reliable and you know viewed as having come through. They did come through the last terrible um, recession or crash in a great position. Yeah, but they are so conservative. Well, and they're bound up with the incumbents. Um, they are bound up with the incumbents, but you know, if you can, if you could get a banker to, I think it's about risk. I don't yeah. think it's about uh, cronyism there. But everybody agrees on this: is that the only way it's going to happen is with foreign money. Yes. And we we scared off the foreign money. Yeah, I'm not so sure Verizon wasn't just otherwise occupied. Um, and that's what they are saying. Oh, we were never that interested. But yeah. the, the data that's coming out now is that they they made some pretty serious offers. Yeah, I just think they had bigger fish to fry. Yeah, you know that U.S. wireless market is so juicy. They had the chance to take out their partner. Forty-five billion dollars—a lot of capital. Sure. You know, I mean, if I'm looking at a deal relative to my business of that size. I'm going to say that, you know, I'm just going to sweep my arm and take everything else off the table. I and, guess so. But you they're, know, they're, call people and say, sorry, you know, I'll, we'll, yeah. we'll talk about it again in a year. Uh, so but I they could probably uh, walk and chew gum at the same uh, time. This is more than walking and chewing gum. So I, I was kind of okay with that. Uh, I do think, um, you know, you, you do still have some foreign money in. And so, you know, I think there's things that can happen. But uh, again, I, I think that, that um, right now, uh, you know, it wasn't about government rules in this auction. I think that's a failure on the on the capital side, um, and uh, you know, it was really tough. I mean, I, I made some soft inquiries if anybody was interested, and it's you know, I mean, it's just not taken seriously that the, you know that you can be a, a, a participant, right? Um, uh, you know, in this in this auction. And what does that mean? I made some soft inquiries. Uh, you know, I, I check with people. Hey, do you think um, you know? You think we we might be able to get some backing? Do you think we might be able to you know take a look at this? Yeah. And I was very quickly discouraged. Right. Um, and and uh, you know we're small relative to taking on something of that size, even at a partnering level. And I do think that uh, you know a wholesale and imposed wholesale regime is not a terrible idea in Canada. I think it's worked in other countries. Uh, I think common carriage is a concept that, you know, goes back hundreds of years. Uh, I might even want, you know, it might even have its roots um, in the Roman Empire. Bandwidth must have sucked back then. Yeah, it was all about roads. And one of the most interesting things that came out of the whole media campaign that uh, the big three, you know, waged against Verizon was their admission their their complete reliance on in their marketing the fact that those networks had been built with public money mm-hmm. that those networks were the publics yeah you know how can we canadians you know sort of give this benefit of these networks that we've built with our taxpayer dollars to this foreign invader <laughs> and and so you know i mean i was it's so that. dumb man it was so insulting yeah, and they they've said the opposite to me on the phone when it suited them and, you know i spoke to a guy from telus once you know i said but aren't these net, the networks were built with public money weren't they the, the public already has 
has a stake in this. No, we've invested billions. This is our infrastructure. Why should we have to give it up? And then they're suddenly saying that this is – it's like your water, Canadians. Do you want some yeah. shiftless outsider yes. to come in and, and, and drink your milkshake? I mean it was just like imagining us as these xenophobic idiots when, when yes. in fact if, if there's an emotional aspect of this with Canadians, it's against the incumbents. Right. We can't stand those companies. But there's this ironic half a point in there. So, so earlier I said, hey, we've got pretty good networks. Yeah. You know, if you think about what the incumbents deliver as the sum of running a network, customer acquisition – Customer service, customer experience. And so customer service, think about everything from an FAQ to the person you speak to on the phone. Think of customer experience as everything from the web app to the retail store if you're so inclined. The sum of that is your service, right? Incumbents have done a reasonable job at running a network. A reasonable job. Yes. I don't look at that. You know, you said grade that out of 10. I probably give them a 7 and I'm a harsh critic. Yeah. Right? On the rest of it. They're terrible. Atrocious. Yeah. Yeah. And so, the, 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 you know, I mean, what I love about an imposed wholesale, wholesale regime is it does for the market, you know, the great bit of really allowing the, the best of both worlds to emerge. And if, if the incumbents could just wrap their heads around the fact that, you know, they, they actually do do one part of this business pretty darn well – and that is true, mm-hmm. then – and they the, the shouldn't be so married to this stuff they do at best mediocre and probably objectively terrible. Then we could all end up in a, in a much better place here, a regulated, mandated wholesale regime that would save them from themselves. And help your business and this is a good time to talk about what sure. you're doing. If this conversation is as the media presents it, just about getting your cell phone bill lower, I mean that's great and that's mm-hmm. you know matters to everybody. But – I have always been talking about how this is actually an innovation issue and this yeah. has to do with how our businesses perform yeah. and what the next businesses are. And that brought my attention to Ting. So uh, really quickly, what is Ting? Uh, we and long- why don't we have it in Canada? Yeah, so Ting is an MVNO uh, uh, that is operates in the U.S. only. What's an MVNO? Uh, m- a mobile virtual network operator. We're, uh, we, you know, we have a down the center of the highway mobile service that r- replaces AT&T or Verizon. We're partnered with Sprint. Sprint is our network behind the service. We do everything else on top of that network. Customers are loving it. You, know, you can just go to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash ting, and read about you know, the incredibly novel experience of customers being thrilled with their mobile provider. And okay, but let's just break this down. From the yep. customer's point of view, the big difference is, I mean, A, no contracts. But the big thing is, you just pay for what you use. Yes. You know, it, it's it's a much lower bill for the vast majority of, of users. And is there like – if I don't use my phone at all in a month, what am I paying? Six bucks. Six, so six bucks is just the cost of setting yeah. foot in the door. That's the keep alive. That's keep your number. Six bucks is, is the cost of entry and then I only pay for the minutes that I use, the texts that I send – the data that I download. Yeah. You know, the, the dirty little secret in the industry is people are so intimidated by overages into overbuying. You pay for, you know, your worst month or two of the year. Yeah. And therefore, you're overpaying in the other eight or nine or ten. And people are saving huge money. Right, right. And then behind the scenes, the way you do this is that you don't actually have a network. You're buying at a wholesale level network capacity from, from Sprint, mostly right. in the States. That's right. But you can't do that here because why? Uh, to date, uh, nobody will sell us network. Uh-huh. Yes. Why does Sprint do it then? In the U.S., it's very much a 40-40-20 market with Verizon, AT&T as the two big players, Sprint much smaller. 
or, you know, half the size of the other two. There is, of course, you know, T-Mobile and there are a few others. So that competitive dynamic is very, very different. To my simplistic understanding, yep. the, the difference is in Canada, if you've got three companies that are like more or less the same size sharing 85 to 95 percent of the market. Oh, more. Yeah. I think it's 98. 98 percent of the market. So it's something huge. You can make a few bucks by wholesaling to a little guy, but what if that little guy becomes a big guy? And what if their business starts to cannibalize your own? In the States, if you've got a more robust marketplace and you've got uh, a smaller player like Sprint, they're going to make money any way they can. And you the, know, the customer you get is not necessarily their customer. Whereas if you were to buy from, from Telus or Bell, there's a 33% chance that the customer that you sell to is, is somebody that you're robbing from them. You know, you talked about their perception, which I completely agree with. The reality is if any one of them would sell to me, at least two of the three customers would come from their competitors. And the ones who we took from them were likely the people who were going to leave them anyway. Sure. So, you know, we're, we're convinced that it makes great business sense for any of them to deal <laughs> them. with us. And I mean, at a they business level, that way. in their self-interest. Yeah. But and, they got and, a good thing going. I mean, what, 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 right. what value do they right. see? The, you know? the hardest thing for them is to acknowledge that we do customer acquisition, customer service, customer experience better than they, than, yeah. than they do. Because I saw your site. You come to the site. It's like, here's what you've used this month. Do you want us to tell you when you've hit this uh, a thousand, you know, like a gig? Do you want us to cut you off at that point? Like, yeah. it, it's very it, – it, it feels like a current website as opposed to this, like, bizarre labyrinth of these other sites where it feels like – on the incumbents' websites and with their customer service, they make it hard on purpose because yes. you'll spend more money that right. way. That's profit by obfuscation. There's no question. And, you know, we just had the luxury of being an internet company and starting with a clean sheet of paper. Right now, all of them are locked into this terrible cycle with this massive phone subsidy, which requires contracts, which requires overpricing. Yeah. If you think about the difference between unlimited and what we're doing, you know, in unlimited – they're incented financially at every turn to have you pay as much as possible and use as little as possible. Yeah. So they're at odds with you. Yeah. For us, it's like everything you're using, you're paying us a fair price for. There's not a, there's not a thing that we sell that we don't make money on. So I can come to your side of the table, help you use less. If you want to use more, make that less expensive per yeah. unit for you. You know, it's very easy for us because we're not burdened with those legacy structures. And I don't mean costs there. And we have a huge yeah. cost advantage. I'm not even referring to that. At a business model level, we can take the customer's side. And at a business model level, they're by definition at odds with the customer. Yeah, that's the value that you bring to the table. It's just a better way to be able to do business. Yeah. I mean, it feels better. Uh, it's better for customers. They're happier. We're happier. Our employees are happier. I mean, when we have a customer service person come over from somebody who's worked in one of those experiences, I mean, to them, it's, you know, it's the difference between a huge headwind and a huge tailwind. Yeah. I mean, they just, you can see them just take a deep <laughs> breath and go, oh, this is fun. All right. All right. I, I, I can't give too much advertisement to a company for a service that I'm intrigued by, but I've never used. Yes. Um, we wish you could. Yeah. We wish you could use it. Why, if Sprint chooses to do business with you, should Canadian companies be forced to do business with you? Well, my strong preference would be that uh, one of the big three recognized uh, the business benefit and maybe even just the political benefit 
of doing business with us. So that would be your preference is if they just sort of saw the light. But but failing that, you have mentioned an enforced wholesale regime. Yes. Is that why I'm able to get internet through these little companies like Akinac or TechSavvy that piggyback Rogers Network? I mean, Rogers doesn't want to sell them network. They're, they're forced to. They have to do it. Um, so first of all, yes, they have to do it. Uh, second of all, there's a long history in Canada of that. I mean, that's how the original set of dial-up ISPs were able to be in business. And I mean, that's where my roots are. And mm-hmm. I can tell you all kinds of stories there about, uh, you know, the imposed regime. You know, they, they had to sell us phone lines in order to allow us to be in business. And it was at a mandated price. And the idea being if we had waited for Bell to get Canadians on the internet through dial-up back in the 90s. We would have had one ISP and it would have sucked. Yeah. In fact, their ISP did suck. Yeah. Um, you know, any market where there was uh, competition, as in dial-up there was competition. There was no urban market. There was no city. In, in fact, in North America, forget about in Canada, uh, where the leader in the city was – and sometimes the first, second and third place was not a local business. Yeah. And, and um, when we moved to broadband and then it became facilities-based and regulatory – uh, it was the revenge of the telcos and cable codes and they wiped us all out. Yeah. Um, you know, in 1996, there was imposed third-party access to the cable plant for internet access. You know, uh, um, we were lucky enough in Toronto to have the first internet over uh, coax in the world. And we were unlucky enough uh, to have Rogers, who was, uh, you know, a brilliant at a regulatory level, always has been, to be able to then keep access out from 96 until 2012. So, you know, think about that. 16 years till Tech Savvy could put the first customer on. So there's, you know, whenever we're talking about government solutions, you know, the easy part is getting them to uh, make the, the, the obligation. The hard part is getting them to enforce it. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Whenever financial conservatives say like, well, look to the states, that's what we want is like a laissez-faire, you know, free market solution. The problem here is that things have been pushed the other way for so long in favor of these huge companies that then saying like, well, if any, you know, new company wants to come battle with us, let them just battle it out in in the marketplace. It's been swayed to one side. Like we need a Canadian solution where it actually gets – regulated the other way. You know, you have spectrum that's sold as a, as property, as a scarce resource, which is based on science from the Titanic. Yeah. We we made a submission a few years ago on this with no uh, intent of it being uh, taken as serious, but simply to put it on the public record. They could have opened that whole thing. Yeah. And what can if they would have just turned that spectrum into an open resource, treated the, this block of spectrum in the same way that Wi-Fi is, Canada would be the world leader in software-defined radio. We would have had the best electrical engineers from all over the world flocking here to develop hardware for this market. Let me make sure I understand what you mean. They take all this new 700 megahertz Mm -hmm. spectrum, this Mm -hmm. great spectrum that lets you talk in the elevator, carries higher speeds. This is the the prime real estate for the next generation of mobile devices. And rather than auctioning it off with a restriction on foreign capital mm-hmm. for hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. You Not a billion. That's right. Hundreds of millions. Right. right. What do you do? You you just open it up. You treat it the same way we treat Wi-Fi. You treat it as open. Canada could have said this is open spectrum. 
Sorry, meaning I don't need a license to put a Wi-Fi router in my house because I'm Correct. operating in a part of the spectrum Correct. that's open. Anybody Correct. can go and throw a signal right. on. You're saying they should do the same thing with that 700 megahertz. They could, they could have. Done they could the same have. Thing. And if they would have, people – so the, the smartest radio engineers yeah. from all over the world have been chomping at the bit to do software-defined radio. There is no – open spectrum anywhere in the world that allows them to do that. You look at what, what innovation is, has – so in other words, the, the whole hardware side uh, of the ecosystem can never evolve because there's no – you know, there's nothing to shoot at. There's no market to evolve it. I think I know what you're talking about. Software-defined mean, meaning that there's all this concern about interference, about right. if I'm on one right. piece of uh, spectrum, right. am I going to – you know, as this, a as, plane's going to drop from the sky. It's got nothing to do with the spectrum and everything to do with the radio. So imagine we're sitting in this room right now and you're listening on a tiny little transistor radio and you're trying to get a station. Yeah. It comes in to some level clear or not. Now imagine you're listening to the same radio with a big, beautiful Bose radio and a huge antenna. You're going to hear the station more clear. The signal didn't change. Yeah. Just the reception did. And we're talking about software that is basically intelligent and is looking at like wh where the interference is coming from and finding it's places just dealing, beside. Right. It's just dealing with interference. And that yeah. whole ecosystem has not been allowed to develop. The potential for this is a world where there is no scarcity of spectrum Correct. whatsoever. Well, that is the world we live in. Right. <laughs> um, it, it's just that, that governments have chosen to impose this regime because as often happens when you start with a property view of something, it's very hard to go backwards. Yeah. You were hearkening back to the early days of the internet in yep. Canada. Um, let's let's talk about that. I mean, I remember getting online like my last year of high school in like '95. Mm -hmm. And who was your uh, ISP? Was I with Interlog? I don't know. I think I was with they Interlog. They were a competitor of ours, but I who, will tell who you, that, you? Uh, we at the time we were Internet Direct. You were Internet Direct, uh, and I will tell you that the guy who uh, runs Ting at a product level is an old Interlog guy. So there you go. Was Interlog? Was that Matt Harrop? Yep. That guy went to high school with people I went to high school with. Him, and he was like, he was the first, yep. you know, guy to get rich who was ridiculously yeah. young. And, and everyone was like, yeah. damn. Uh, he was really into raves. Yep. I remember that. All true. So those were, that was like the Wild West. There were all these little dial-up. Uh, and I remember mm -hmm. that at the time, Two Cows was like where I would get freeware from. Yeah, software which, downloads. Yeah. yeah. Then it became something else entirely. And, and yes. So in between that and Ting, yeah. uh, so really for, you know, kind of the aughts from 2000 till now. Uh, so first of all, the software download business is still around. But, you know, if you think what about – What was that business? I never understood it when uh, I was 18. It was, it was just advertising. I'm getting – oh, was, uh, I, I got freeware and shareware and – And we showed you banners. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that is Windows desktop software. All three of which are challenged spaces, Windows, desktops, software. Yeah. Uh, so that's still around, but, you know, obviously a lot smaller. Um, in 2000, uh, we invented wholesale domain registration as competition came to domain registration and it opened up from the monopoly to competition. So we're the largest uh, wholesale domain registrar in the world, second or third largest registrar in the world. That's like a brand yeah. problem for me because yeah. <laughs> I remember two cows like, oh, they're giving me free software and they got these smiling cows. And then I think of a domain registrar and I think of like GoDaddy as like just yeah, yeah. the worst villains on the internet of just yeah. these just – jerks with their misogynistic ads and predatory <laughs> business model and just like this awful troll gatekeeper you've got to go through yes. to have a website. Yes. So Well, not all of them are like that. No, uh, you know, and we uh, tend to have a little bit of a red state, blue state existence with 
with them. Why have you been so vocal and active in trying to change Canadian policy? The market here uh, is a fraction of the American. Why do you care so much? I think you, uh, could, you, could, you could operate here, make money elsewhere, and if this country's backwards, what do you care? It's yeah. not going to be that big an opportunity for you, even if it were to reform, right? Yeah, that's uh, so. It's very much a personal issue for me. Uh, first of all, I don't feel like I've been so vocal. I feel like I do it when I can, but that I don't nearly do it enough. I go all over the world. I see. There's no question that networks are the single greatest determinant of economic success going forward. Uh, that's both fixed and mobile networks. There's no question that ours suck, and there's no question that that hurts my kids' chances competitively. And every but you know that that next generation, and, the ne- and then the generation that follows that, hurts competitively uh, in a deep way that can almost not be undone. Um, and I got to tell you that you know the U.S. Uh, which I used to at least be able to kind of, you know, comfort myself that the U.S. was just as craptacular as we were at a fixed internet level, has had so much positive happening quietly underneath the radar at a, a municipal broadband level, municipal, municipal fiber level in the last two years where we have nothing. Yeah. Let's let's uh, unpack that a little bit because sure. th- this is where I think our conversation goes from the networks in Canada, which yeah. is of interest to some people and not to a lot of people, uh, to something that I think is of much wider significance. You're saying that in your opinion, you travel all around the world, the quality of the network and holistically, just yeah. like how good is the network, how cheap is the network, yeah. how accessible yeah. is it, how good is the customer yeah. service, yeah. that is the, the, the biggest factor in how that country is going to do? Like if we Economically, without question. Like Estonia or African nations, yeah. you're saying fast forward 20, 30 years – if we lag behind and they are on yes. the on the cutting edge, yes. then how we think of those countries and ourselves may be very different. That is a significant comparative advantage for them. And there are countries all over the world now who have much better broadband than we do. Mm-hmm. The ones that don't, you, 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 you almost without exception, you're seeing at least some political will. Here there is nothing. There's yeah. not even an acknowledgement there's a problem. What we do is the typically Canadian thing. We will convene a panel of experts to traipse around the country for a year, spend $10 million studying the problem, produce a six-inch thick report that says there's a problem, and that's it. And that will suffice for four or five years until we do the same thing again. There can and should be a revolution in broadband. And understand, I say all the time, and I hope you heard this current up front, don't hate the player, hate the game. The telcos and cable cos will never do it yeah. because they're public companies who have to deal with shareholders in the short term. I don't begrudge them their positions. They're doing the right thing. They will not spend the required capex until and unless they have to competitively or regulatory. This is not an indictment of them. They're no, doing they're, exactly what they should yeah. given the market structure. Yeah. You referred earlier to like we're going to do what we do in Canada and it's this funny thing that I am encountering in any field I talk to somebody is this this sense of like, well, we're going to do that Canadian thing again, that bureaucratic, inefficient yeah. Canadian thing. Like what is that and how do we huh. change that? So great. Let me use this platform. You know, you'll maybe maybe we'll make some history here. All right. Okay, we've got a mayoral election in Toronto in 2014. I would love to hear a candidate put their hand up right now and say, I'm going to do broadband. I'm going to do fiber in Toronto. And I can tell you, 
that person puts their hand up, boy, I'm signing up and I will do everything I can to help them. I, I sadly do not imagine that it's Rob Ford or Olivia Chow. Maybe I'll be surprised. So I think it's going to have to be somebody we're not thinking of right now. But doesn't but, that get Canada fight too? I, I interviewed David Miller at Mesh years ago and he made this the day that he yeah. announced this open Toronto thing. And everybody wants to be the tech politician. That's, but yeah, it that amounted was, to nothing. Yeah, it, that's right. It amounted to nothing. Wherever this has happened successfully – in the U.S., it's because there is a person with political will. You know, it's just about a candidate who will allow it to happen mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, a candidate who has to do so much. But they need have at least the political will, the political vision to recognize how important it is and the political will to keep the, the, the federal government and the provincial government from mucking it up. It just takes – one politician who is otherwise interested in that mayoral race to see it as in their enlightened self-interest to, you know, yeah. allow that flag to be waved. All right, Elliot. Thanks for this. Thanks. It's been fun. All right. That's the show. Listen, this week I'm posting a new video to CanadaLandShow.com. Uh, you should go check it out. It's about some surprising stuff. Email me for any reason at jesse at jessebrown.ca. I particularly want to hear about guests you think I should be talking to or topics you feel need to get talked about. I'm on Twitter at Jesse Brown. The next show will be up on Monday. Hey, if you like this show, spread the word. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.